Well, God is good all the time, isn't he? And as is all our lives, we're all busy. And I've just come into a kind of a busy period. Speaking yesterday, I'll be speaking tomorrow, blah, blah, blah. But it doesn't matter because I'm here now and we've prayed and we're expecting that God has something for us this morning. Now, the original message I had, of course, you'll know nothing about that. (laughs) I had it in my mind and sleeping one night, as one does, a song just came on my heart, coming home. And it, it sometimes just come on your heart and... You know, not, you don't think anything of it. But this song it just was impressed on me. And I thought, hmm, maybe I need to do a different message. Because our message this morning is coming home. Yeah, coming home. And what I want to just share with you, you know, I guess I've made the next 20 minutes, is some thoughts about what it means to come home. Coming home is like reconnecting with who we are and where we're from. It's where our roots are, where we are known, and where we make ourselves known. A place of safety. The place where we receive from our Heavenly Father, where we stop running away, and finally, we come home. The last word of the Old Testament, recorded in Malachi 4.6, says this, and he shall turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. We're also going to look at another scripture, John 1, 4 to 5. And I was very encouraged because I went into the prayer meeting just before the service and you need, when you preach, man, you need all the help you can get. So I was glad to get some prayer. And in there, they were talking about light. And I'm thinking, thank you, Lord, because my message is around this. This was very encouraging. But 1 John 4 says this, in him was life. And the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness. And the darkness could not comprehend it. And we also read... And I'm going to use this scripture from Luke's gospel, chapter 15, the, the prodigal son. Now, there have been many sermons on this. Some of the best, I think Tim Keller's is one of the best on this. But also, I'm going to look there and pull some key points out. But what happens when we come home? God gives us three things. I'm only going to talk about one of them this morning, because when I originally preached it, it was a two-week series, but it's all right. <laughs> We're only going to do one week. God gives us three things. He gives us light, he gives us life, and he gives us love. That's what happens when we come home. So this morning, we're just going to look at the issue of light. And let's go down to Luke 15, 17. And you remember the story as Jesus tells it. Rich man had two sons. One of the sons decided that he would have his wealth before his father died. That was an insult, by the way. Anyway, his father gave him his wealth, and you know the story. He went down into the world, and he wasted it with wine, women, and song. And of course, the money ran out, and his friends disappeared. And then he found himself in a situation where he was unemployed. 
He was looking for work. And in fact, the only work he could get was the work that no one else could want to do. And he was looking, it says, we read there, that he was looking at what the pigs were eating and he was thinking, man, boy, I'm that hungry, I'm happy to eat that. Then we read, and we pick it up here in Luke 15, 17. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And I am here starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and he went to his father's house. Now, here's the key point. There was a moment of revelation, an understanding of his condition. Now, many times we find ourselves in a not a good place, and maybe we're denying who, where we are at, but there comes a revelation, a moment when we realize, you know, I'm not in a good place here. And more importantly, sometimes we need to actually, more than just recognize it, we need to help other people recognize it by telling someone. But I'll come to that a little later. So, this is the work of the Holy Spirit. And in fact, John 16, 8 tells us this. He, the Holy Spirit, when he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard of sin and righteousness and judgment, in regard to sin, because men do not believe in me, in regard to righteousness, because I'm going to the Father, where, you're going to see, where you will see me no longer. So what happens is, in our lives, the Holy Spirit will work to draw us to himself. Now, one of the things when I was growing up, particularly as a Baptist, and particularly as a, an evangelical Baptist, we always believed or restricted the work of the Holy Spirit to that of conversion, conviction, all right? Conversion and conviction, and a revelation from the Scriptures. That's it. But when Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit leading us into all truth, it's not just truth about the Bible. It's not just more knowledge. It's truth about our condition, where we really are. It's truth about our Heavenly Father. You see, many of us think that, that our Heavenly Father is there waiting to tell us off. Why do you think that song we just love, that we just sung is such a great song? Because the truth is that God our, God, our Heavenly Father, He loves us and He's for us. Not on the basis of our performance, but on the basis of who we are if we're a follower of Jesus. So when you come back to Him, He's not there to condemn you. And whatever you've done, wherever you've been, He's been waiting for you. You see, the truth is this. When the Holy Spirit comes, you begin to understand who our Heavenly Father really is. He's a good, good Father. The truth also 
about many of the lies that you and I live under and live out. Now, if I had time, I would develop it. But you see what happens in a moment of trauma, in a moment of disappointment, in a moment where you felt let down, you speak things into yourself. Common one, speaking to young woman. Father left the home, abandoned the family. So she speaks into herself, I can never trust the man. So what's the outcome of that? It means this, that the enemy will rob her of the opportunity to be a wife and to be a mother because she will never trust the man. And what happens is she will go into relationships and she will sabotage it before it comes to an end simply so that she's the one that does the, as it were, the rejecting and she doesn't get rejected. Hello? That's how it works. So the sin of a father now has impact on the child who now makes decisions and lives under a lie that men can't be trusted so they never have any good relationships. And the enemy robs that person of the opportunity to, not that if, oh, by the way, let me just say parenthesis, obviously if you're single, God has blessed you in that. But if God's plan for you is that you have to have us, then you're going to be robbed of that. So one of the things that the Holy Spirit does is he reveals to us some of the lies that we're living under so that we can, in the name of Jesus, reject those lies and come out from under those things that we've spoken into ourselves that keep us where we are. You see, friends, you can come to church and you can look good and you can say all the right things, you can have good theology, and men, you know what we men do? Some of us, we live out of our head. Now we get intellectual, You know, we can quote the scriptures. Look, I went to one of those churches where everybody knew their Bible. And in fact, I know in the Afro-Caribbean community, particularly those older Jamaicans, they know their Bible so well they can quote verse to verse because they read it every night before they go to bed. But you see, friends, it's not just about knowledge. It's not just about living out of your head. You have to also learn to live out of your heart. And for some of you, you need to step out from all of that intellectual stuff and start to come to Jesus and get your heart before him and know your condition. And the next step in that is understand that if you step into the light, you're not going to be rejected. So, we read in Luke 15, 19 this. This is what the prodigal son said. I have sinned against heaven and against you. All sin is against God, ultimately. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. What's he saying? I'm not worthy to be called your son and daughter because... And what I would ask you this morning is what is your because? Some of you, you have, in one sense, disqualified yourself from serving because of something in the past. And all I would say to you is this, that you are a son and daughter of God because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross to you. He who knew no sin became sin for you and for me. 
He took our pain. He took our shame on that cross. And there he, through the, his death and sacrifice, through the blood that was shed, your sin, my sin, was dealt with once for all, erased on that cross. So you are a child of God this morning because of what Jesus Christ did. And that work that he did 2,000 years ago still stands true for anyone who hears my voice this day who doesn't know it. And that same cross it will set you free from all the stuff that stops you from being all that God te- intends you to be and to do. So, you are worthy, not because of what you've done, but what Christ has done. Another phrase, I am so ashamed of what I said or done. Friends, we all live with shame. <coughs> Excuse me. Shame, <coughs> excuse me, makes us hide. Shame makes us feel unworthy. <coughs> excuse me. Shame causes us to sabotage things that are good. I, if you don't feel that you're worthy and all of a sudden good things come into your life, then what actually happens is you will orchestrate situations so that, you, so that something happens so that it doesn't happen for you. So you destroy it, you sabotage it. It makes us hide and it makes us run away. <clears throat> but what I love about this, the prodigal son, is he made a determination in his heart to go to the father. <clears throat> I remember well, Eileen and I have been married now, whew, coming up 35 years. You know, she was a wonderful woman to stay with someone like me so long. <laughs> but the reality is that I remember we were struggling in the marriage. And I plucked up the courage to ring Linda, Linda Hall. And I rang Linda up and I said to her, you know, Linda, um, I'm really kind of, we're really struggling, I, Linda, I, I, we, we need some help. And I always remember her response. Her response was really fantastic. It's what, it was a Linda response. Bless your heart. I thought to myself, what manner of greeting is this? I wasn't expecting that. Because the most of the churches I went to, no one ever owned up to the fact that they needed help with their marriage. Because everybody looked so cool. You know, on Sunday, everybody come and look crisp. You know, everybody, how are you? Oh, I'm well. Would you like to pray? No, thank you. More cake? Yes, lovely. <laughs> and everybody was just, <laughs> yeah. And then you go home and cry. Because you didn't really want people to know even though this is the people of God, the place where we can come and it's safe to fail. That's what happens then. You see, we're all hiding behind shame. But the reality was that I received grace and I received mercy and I received help for my time of need. So here comes the exegesis, friends. It's only when you step into the light as the Holy Spirit helps you to understand your condition 
and you seek help. And that, not just help from above, but help from a human being, that you begin to receive grace and mercy. I've just got here, what action did the prodigal son take, which was key to his restoration? Well, he got up and he went to his father. For some of us, it may be that we need to actually find, if you're in a um, connect group, then I would hope that you have someone in that connect group that knows you well enough. They know the good you and the bad you, besides your husband or wife if you have one. And when things are not going well, you can get with them and they can, you can share your stuff and they will pray with you and they will stand with you and they will challenge you. Because in a church this size, there's some people who are in connect groups, but if you're not, even if you are not in a connect group, is there someone that knows you, that you can go to? When trouble comes, when something impacts your life, when a trauma comes, there is someone you can go to that you can talk with, who you can share your heart with, who you can cry with, who you can laugh with, who will be there for you. Because if you don't, then all you're doing is doing church. Tom Tim Keller, I quote it all the time, says, you will never know God and never grow deeply apart from community. In other words, there needs to be a place where you can begin to work this salvation out step by step with others. Incarnational living, that was the message I was going to preach. This is how we do it, friends. When things go wrong, when things go well, who knows you? Who stands with you? Because of shame, we often run in the opposite direction away from God and each other. It's true. You know, if you know you're into things, guys, that you shouldn't be into, and you see the pastor walking down the road, you ain't happy to see him. <laughs> He's happy to see you. You're like, hello, bye-bye. <laughs> oh, what is it? <laughs> and it's nothing to do with you. It's the stuff. I know my own heart. I know that if I get into stuff that I shouldn't be, I'm not particularly inclined to want to come to the staff meeting. Chris, he knows this. <laughs> and if I know that I have to make a connection, I have to make contact, Chris, Chris would say, oh, we missed you. <laughs> Friends, we need to get to that place where we step into the light. All right. 1 John 1, 7 says this. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. What then is walking in the light? Well, of course, one, it's confessing our sins to God. Well, we're all good at that. Yes, we're all good at that. We can confess our sins to God, but you see, there's another part to it. James 5.16 says this, confess our sins to one another that we may be healed. Now, when you start doing this kind of stuff, here's the word, we don't like it. You become vulnerable. Who likes vulnerability? We don't like vulnerability, do we? Because we all like to be... <laughs> now, when you come along and say, well, you know, I just want you to pray for me. I said, why is that, bro? Well, I know I was 
getting into things on the television I shouldn't be getting into. And I said, come, let's pray. You make yourself vulnerable. Now they realize you're not a holy man of God, 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 God. Well, we knew that anyway. <laughs> we knew this anyway. So what is, what is wrong with you? And the minute you do that, you step into the line. How, this is how it works. First, you make you confess your sins to God, and that brings you into the light of God. Then you confess your sin to that safe person, and they pray for you. And what happens now is that not only are you having fellowship with God, but now you can have fellowship with one another. This is what we find. When you are not walking in the light, you not only don't have any fellowship with God, but you don't really want to be around God's people. You cannot, you can't, it's difficult to be in God's presence. So it doesn't only affect you vertically, it affects you horizontally. So in your relationships, there's difficulty because there's hiddenness. There are areas that are no-go areas. We don't talk about it. We don't go there. But when we decide to walk in the light, when we make the decision to come home, when we make the decision to walk into the light, what happens now is we, we, not only do we confess it to God, but we get on the telephone or we go to our friend and we, we ask them to pray for us. We can make our confession to them. They pray God's blessing over us and we are released in the name of Jesus. You think, look, friends, this works. How do I know? Being there, done that. Got on the phone to Derek, made my confession to him. He's prayed over me in the name of Jesus. Boof, whatever it was, come off of me. The minute you bring it into the light, the minute you make confession to someone else that you're safe, things change in the name of Jesus. So what does it mean? What does it take to walk in the light? It takes courage. It takes courage. It takes courage to go and ask forgiveness sometimes. It, it takes courage to get on the phone and confess that you're not all that you should be. And by the way, you see, you've already received God's forgiveness, but God is very unique. Somehow, because he puts that in, that, that idea that we are working, working with one another and we make confession to one another, that brings community, that brings closeness. Yes, it means we're vulnerable, but it means you're in a safe place. That means it's safe to fail. It means no one's going to judge you. And you, I have been to churches where they judge you. But this is a place and this is a community where we have focused on making a place where people feel safe. So whatever, wherever you've been, whatever you've done, you can come and you can make confession and you'll receive grace and you'll receive mercy and you'll receive help for your time of need. That's the community of God's people. That's what we're looking to build here. The prodigal had the courage to return home and make his confession. He would have been aware of the fact that leaving his father's house was, as Henry Nguyen put it, a heartless rejection of the home in which the son was born and nurtured and a break with the precious tradition carefully upheld by the larger community of which he was a part. In other words, what he was saying is you take your your inheritance before your father's father, that's an insult. And everybody in the community would have known. 
So as he was walking through the fields, everybody who could see him knew what he had done. Yet, he went home. And in fact, what we read is that the father, who was a respected gentleman, hitched up his stuff, his, his garments, and ran towards him so that he wouldn't have to face the shame. Friends, if you are here this morning and you haven't been here for a while, I want to tell you something, that the Father is running towards you to receive you. And it doesn't matter how broken you are, how hurt you are, how wounded you are, he wants to bring you into his arms and you need to feel his hot tears on your cheek and know that you are welcome home. The first step then in coming home is when the Holy Spirit shines light into our hearts so that we see one, the truth of our condition. Is the Holy Spirit shining the light into your heart this morning so that you know the truth of your condition? It may not be pleasant. It may not be good. But I believe that God spoke to me in the night to change the message I had because he said to me, there are prodigals here this morning and I want to welcome them home. And the Holy Spirit is speaking to you about the truth of your condition this morning. Secondly, the truth about our Heavenly Father. He's a good, good Father. That's who he is. And whatever your earthly father may have been like, he's nothing like that. God is not a broken parent. And he wants to receive you. He wants to welcome you. Finally, the truth about the lies and the fears that we live under that stop us from coming home and experiencing the embrace of the Father. What lies are you living under? What things have you spoken into yourselves in those moments of truth, in those moments of trauma that are still holding you from coming in to his presence and experience in his divine embrace. Hmm. We are concluded. Ban, please come. Coming home means you can receive his light. You can receive his life and you can receive his love. For many of us, this is a time to overcome some of the fear of rejection and shame and step into the light and experience a new sense of his love and his affirmation for who we are, not for just what we've done. So this is your time, please stand. So he can give you a new sense of being. A new sense of rest. Where we are known and where we can make ourselves known. My prayer for you this morning is that this would be a safe place for you. A place where you can come home and you can receive love, and mercy, and grace, and forgiveness for your time of need. I pray that this will be a, a morning for you where you make a decision 
to get connected with someone in a connect group or in a triplet where you will make yourself known and you will be known. So that we as a community can begin to work out this wonderful, redemptive journey that we are on. Sometimes called a journey of grace. God is good all the time. Father, we bless you for your goodness. We thank you for your graciousness. We thank you that you're a father that welcomes us home. That you are a good, good father. We may have wandered far, but now we're coming home. Coming home to receive grace, mercy, love for our time of need. We bless you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen.